Hi, this is Brennan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Adam Balderstone and Nick Seidler, and we're going to be talking about Pyramids of Mars, the uh, Doctor Who episode from the Tom Baker era. Uh, I believe this is from the 13th season. And uh, before we begin, though, I, I, I think we wanted to talk with Nick about something that he experienced recently at a Doctor Who convention. Is that correct? Yeah, actually, over the Thanksgiving weekend, I had the opportunity to go to the Chicago TARDIS Doctor Who convention in Chicago, Illinois, which is pretty cool. And uh, while I was there, uh, they had a lot of actually classic Doctor Who guests, which was pretty fun, including three of the doctors, which was a huge surprise because I don't think you usually get that many doctors in the U.S. in one place at one time. So that was actually pretty cool. Um Featured there was uh, Peter Davison, who was the fifth doctor. Colin Baker, the sixth doctor, was there. And also uh, Sylvester McCoy, the seventh doctor, who a lot of people know as Radagast from The Hobbit. So he was he was there. And uh, kind of rounding that out were some of the companions, one from each of those eras. Uh, Janet Fielding, who played Tegan, was there, which was very neat. Uh, Nicola Bryant, who played Perry. Uh... Sophie Aldred, who played Ace uh, with the Seventh Doctor, was there, as well as like uh, a couple others. I think uh, Fraser Hines, uh, the Second Doctor companion, Jamie, uh, he was one of the guests at the convention. Also, Nick Briggs, who does the voice of the Daleks, was there. So it was a, kind of a very cool experience uh, for those people who've never really gone to a convention. And if you really like Doctor Who, I, I recommend it. You kind of hear stories about. You know, what the actors were up to, what their experiences were, kind of funny stories from the set. Uh, and, of course, you meet like-minded people who like Doctor Who and have some great conversations in the halls and meet new people. So it was fun. I went with a couple of friends, and I totally recommend it. It was a great time. So. And did you get a meet, did you get a meet them personally, or were they sort of more doing like a Q&A type situation? What was the... You know, there's a lot of different experiences that you can kind of do with that convention. Um, I really like hearing the panels because I like kind of hearing the stories of what happens. So I mainly went to panels, uh, though they did have some meet and greets planned that you could do. And you could also uh, like buy an autograph or a photograph or whatever and, and meet them. I did have a chance to meet them, which was pretty cool. Um, you know, and by meet them, maybe 30 seconds or something like that. You know? Still. It was kind of cool, you know, so... You know, I, I told Colin Baker is one of my favorite doctors, so had a chance to tell him I liked his his rendition of the doctor a lot. Uh, he kind of had a short run, so I think it's important to let him know that. And uh, it, it was fun. I, I think it's it's neat to see the doctors because, or any actor really, because when you meet them in person, you realize they're people just like you. But what's neat about the doctors is they're pretty bright and pretty smart, so they're very doctorly. You know, each of them brings a little bit of themselves into the role and it's kind of cool to see that you know firsthand so and so yeah so I'm, I'm actually i'm really looking forward to the colin baker era when we get to that uh, eventually that's that's one that i you know i've seen a few of the episodes from that period i really uh, the taste that i've gotten of it is is uh i don't know it, I, i'd like to see more of it um but i've been holding off until we work our way through the uh the tom baker period um, and then the the fifth doctor and um, but uh, now what I'm just curious what was it about that that period that you liked because that's usually a, that's generally kind of a it has sort of more of a negative reaction right among sure 
I, I think, you know, that maybe this is the wrong thing to say as a Doctor Who fan, but I'll say it anyway. And that is that I think uh, in that mid-80s, uh, the show became a little bit more action-packed, for better or worse. I think some people have a negative reaction to that. Uh, as somebody who was growing up in the 80s and liked movies like The Terminator and, and things like that, ramping up a little bit of the action in Doctor Who I think was probably appropriate. So I saw it as a, a period that was maybe a little bit more you know, realistic, where the baddies would actually shoot at you instead of just threatening to shoot at you. Mm -hmm. So I, I found that era kind of interesting. Um, you know, maybe it was just at that time in my life where conflict was a little bit more <laughs> more interesting to me, or, you know, I wanted to see, you know, I don't want this to sound wrong, but I wanted to maybe see a little bit more on-screen violence or the Cybermen or Dalek actually killing people as opposed to just threatening people. And I, I think a lot of fans at that time reacted negatively lead to that i think that's what i needed just developmentally at that point you know i appreciate all doctor who of course but that era i think kind of maybe go yeah see these are bad guys look these are you know and seeing the doctor get ahead of them i think was kind of neat so that's what i kind of liked about 80s doctor who. a little bit of that conflict that you see on screen right so you know the the peter davison and colin baker dalek stories for instance feature the Daleks, like, at war, at conflict, you know, not just threatening somebody, but, you know, you actually see them, you know, fighting against people and exterminating them and stuff, so. we got a ways to go before we get there, but I'm, I'm that's definitely <laughs> yeah. sort of a period I'm we looking do, forward yeah. to. Um, Which is probably a great time for us to transition maybe back in time here to our Tom Baker story, right? So. And so, yes, yeah, so this is Pyramids of Mars, or is it Pyramid, singular, Pyramid of Mars? Um, no, plural. Plural. Pyramid, plural. Pyramid, plural. There's more than one. So, yeah. um, so uh, I don't know. Did, Nick, did you want to give us the uh, the rundown of the episode? Sure. Uh, you know, sure. Um, are you talking about like kind of like just, what it's basically about? Just the, yeah, just a rough sketch, just the sort sure. of premise. Yeah. Um, Nitty gritty. There's uh, and, and this was really big in the '70s at the time, and I'm sure we'll talk about this. But there's a. Uh, uh, archaeologist of the 1920s who is in Egypt and trying to, uh, you know, make his big find. And he finds a tomb, basically, which he opens up and it's completely intact. And he's kind of freaked out by that. And he goes, I mean, in a positive way, he's excited to have this great find. He goes inside. There's actually a, a symbol inside the tomb. And the, the Egyptians who he's with, like, run out of the tomb because they're freaked out. And the symbol is the Eye of Horus. And, um, you know, we as the viewers don't know exactly what that is. And as the Egyptologist, as the archaeologist goes in deeper, uh, he, he gets, he finds something mysterious. And then the show actually cuts to uh, the Doctor and Sarah and the TARDIS. And they see this mysterious entity that kind of travels through the TARDIS, which is related to what we see, and they land in the 19... I still want to say it's the 20s, maybe 30s, in, in the UK, where it turns out that these artifacts from this find have been brought. And so these Egyptian artifacts that have made their way to the UK actually seem to have some strange powers or some some mysterious goings on and i don't know if you want me to expand from that but the story really turns out to be kind of a really cool egyptian style mystery 
in which uh, there is an alien presence that uh, the the crew have to overcome. So, and so, what did you guys think of this episode in general? I'll let Adam go. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I think this is this is I mean just a great atmospheric episode. I think that's the strongest point of this, and uh, it. Yeah, one thing that that I find interesting actually in this episode is the beginning scene. Well, that thing actually is the beginning scene. Sorry, the first scene with the doctor, where you have him and Sarah Jane talking. And watching that from the perspective now, the whole kind of moody doctor kind of vibe. He has this vibe where he's kind of talking about living in immortality and stuff, and it it feels really, really new Doctor Who in a lot of ways. It's kind of that thing they got into with Ten, with Ten being kind of you know, the lonely God and things. And it's like, it's like, wow, every time I watch this episode, I'm like, wow, it's just, it's just, it's kind of the, the, uh, the origin of that kind of feel to it. Except, well, maybe it's in an earlier episode, but it's the one I always think of. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I like this episode a lot. It's got a lot of humor in it too. It's, uh, it's, it's got a good British horror movie feel. It's just, it's just a solid episode all around, I think. The, the scene you're talking about, Adam, is interesting because the doctor is moody because he's tired of being unit's scientific advisor. And yeah. <laughs> even, even though, like, the previous season, season 12, there was really only one unit story, and then the, this season starts with the unit story, it's, it's obvious this is them trying to make a break going, I'm not going to... We're not going back to Earth and doing unit stories all the time. So. Yeah, we ha- didn't make it clear last year. Just, just, just let it, let it go, fans. Stop was writing that, us. Was letters. there resistance in the fan base uh, when they when they started abandoning the the unit storylines? Do we? You know that that I'm not sure about. Um, in terms of like contemporarily, I've never really read something about that. But I do figure that the unit gang was as much a part of Doctor Who as you know, the doctor was and, and different producers wanted to take the show in a different direction. Barry Letts had, had left the show behind and now we had Philip Henchcliffe as the new producer who wanted to tell, I think, more alien stories and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think they had to kind of tread a little carefully because the style of the show was changing with a new doctor and all, uh, but trying, of course, not to alienate the fans, right? So. Yeah, that, I guess that would be the uh, the trick. I just I've just kind of wondered about that because it is a noticeable difference in in you know in that era. Where, I mean, you know, when you're setting it on Earth with with the organization like Unit versus sort of the you know traveling through space and time in TARDIS. It, it you know it can create a very different feel. So I imagine there must have been feelings on both sides. But uh, but yeah, I liked this episode. I uh, I thought this was great. It was. Um, it was very Hammer Studio, which I think Adam was kind of yeah. touching on. It had that yeah. sort of atmosphere, that horror. Uh, it reminded me of, uh, I think it was, I don't know if it was called The Mummy, but the the, the version of The Mummy they did, um, uh, I think, uh, uh, who was in it? I can't remember who was in it off the top of my head. but um, but I, I think it might be Curse of the Mummy. I'm not sure. So Yeah, I can't remember yeah. the, the exact title. It's been a while uh, since I since I saw it. But, uh, but I mean, it's, you know, it's just a, a classic Hammer Studio film. And there were a lot of things in there that reminded me of this one. Um, and, I, you know, I liked the mystery. I liked the, the backstory that they had established uh, to explain everything that was going on. 
Um, mm-hmm. I like I like when they're able to on a. I mean, this wasn't necessarily a, a very low budget show in that there were there were still plenty of special effects in the episode itself, but they were able to paint a picture of this epic war that they would have never been able to do, uh, in believably on screen. Um, but you, you, but you had a very st- clear sense of what it might have looked like in your head. Um, yeah, well, it's, it's kind of funny. Uh, sort of also reviewing Babylon Five too, with its whole ancient war and kind of figures being, you know, referencing back to mythology. Watching this episode, I was like, wow, it just it just kind of crossed over with that mentally. But <laughs> well, and they yeah, they do something similar too with that. So you know. Um, but also, I like the ending in the in the I guess in the pyramid on on Mars. That was yeah. I thought that was a really cool. Uh, I don't know, just the the whole sort of puzzle solving aspect to it was fun. Oh. The you know, it, the, it, I I really enjoyed the episode. It was it was a, it was a very fun episode, and uh, uh, I don't know, it just there was a there was a lot of sort of genre trope going on that 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 worked for what they were doing. The, the the ending is very role playing actually, right? Yeah. So it reminded me a lot a dun- of dungeon like, crawl, right? A dungeon <laughs> crawl, and like you know, you're you're you know, you're moving room to room, and you're trying to chase these guys through this pyramid, and you have to solve the puzzles. I, I that's one of my favorite sequences in Doctor Who is this is episode four. Well, the story, so. and it was what was the it was the classic sort of like one of these guys is lying and one of these guys is not. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I always think of labyrinth for that one. But, uh... <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that in there too. Yep, but uh, but yeah, I don't know. It was fun, and uh, and 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 also, um, I thought that the villain in this was very, it worked. Um, uh, you know the the uh, what did they they didn't call him set in this they called him something else they called Sutek. him Sutek Sutek yeah. um, I I thought that number one the guy playing him really kind of did it <laughs> did he, I mean he was he was chewing it up but it it was it was exactly what the role called for I thought and yeah um, it's it's a great it's a great performance considering he can't move and he's wearing a mask yeah. and it's still a really good performance <laughs> well and that's what's so funny about it cuz i didn't even realize he couldn't move like it didn't really dawn on me that this guy was like physically incapable of moving uh yeah. because because there was so much going on with the uh with the voice and yeah. uh but i just found him terrifying i i mean i believe this you know this is the destroyer and i enjoyed you know just sort of his 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 complete embrace of his destructive nature and just any you know any moral argument the doctor threw at him you know he was able to just sort of push aside uh you know just by will so um so i really like the villain in it too and uh and you know that and that's and that it could have been really cheesy you know what i mean like but the whole thing with like having like the robots be mummies and stuff like that that was all those were all really cool flourishes um and the and the way that they had the the the, the guy take over the the servants of of Sutek, you know that i thought that that worked as well you know i i think there's something worth mentioning here and that is that a lot of people you you actually let me start that over you're not actually introduced to a lot of what's going on with Egyptian mythology in this story. The show really assumes that you know a lot about what's going on, mm-hmm. even down to like the the their canoptic jars that are being used to house the like 
uh, force field generators and stuff. And, you know, what I, I did a little research, before, you know, after watching this episode, and in right up until like 1973 in December is when the King Tut exhibit was in the British Museum. And like 1.6 million visitors came to look at that in the UK, right? So this the whole Egyptology thing, kids were studying it in school. Everybody kind of knew what some of the objects were and stuff like that. So by the time they do this story, everybody kind of knows what some of the things are. They didn't have to explain, oh, this is, this is a mummy's casket. This is like the death mask. This is the, like, everybody kind of knew what that was. And so what I think is interesting about this story is they don't explain a whole lot to you. You know that the mummies are mummies. Like, the doctor doesn't go, oh, those things are dressed up as mummies. Like, yeah. you just automatically know, like, you know, what's what. And I think that's interesting. And it also fits together with that whole movement in the early 70s of ancient astronauts and, you know, people kind of coming to visit Earth and, you know, like, yeah, I, I don't was, think anybody who did who was wasn't alive then can can really appreciate just how mainstream ancient aliens and all yeah. UFOs and all that stuff was at the time. I mean, it was just everywhere. In, in, <laughs> in one of my ancient history courses, we had a guy uh, get up in front of the class to uh, to talk about his a- ancient alien uh, theories. Um, <laughs> he was a student, and the teacher quickly. Uh, had him sit down but uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah no i i do like that because I, I i do feel like if it was made today they'd be explaining everything and sometimes mm-hmm. it's and i get why they do that but it's sometimes nice when the show assumes that you either a know or that you're willing to do a little bit of the work after you watch to learn more uh, uh-huh. without having it sort of spoon fed to you um, yeah yeah, I think it's funny that shows are heavier on explaining stuff now because it's like, well, now everyone has the internet and everyone is Googling stuff all the time. You can trust people to just look it up now, but whatever. Well, one of my favorite things in this story, actually, is how stylized some of the things are. Um, in New Who, we've had two stories that have had mummies. Mummy on the Orient Express and then the Rings of Akhaten or whatever. I can't think of what the exact name is. It was Akhaten, was that it? Akhaten, that's what it was. Yep, the Rings of Akhaten. And clearly they make mummies in those stories that look very much like the mummies. I liked how stylistic the mummies were in this. Yeah. Where you would look at them and you'd, you'd see the influence. When you see Sutek, his face is very similar to the mummy's face. Just how, you know, sort of rounded but angular mm-hmm. on two sides. And you know, I, I think it's it's pretty bold to make mummies different, but still making sure that you knew that they were mummies, right? I think that was interesting. And and he yeah. explained that they had uh they had like dome shaped heads or something, right? That was sort of the the idea of of why the the imagery would look like that. Um, right, they were servo robots underneath, right? So that were reprogrammed, made to look like. Mummies, isn't that what it was? So. Oh, no, but I mean the Osirens. Didn't the Osirens oh. have... Uh, I thought he said they all had dome-shaped heads, but I could have misunderstood him. Um, but he said, I remember he describes their head shape at one point in the episode. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right. It, it's interesting because we do see Sutek's face, but he's got these big ears that are unaccounted for. Now, <laughs> okay, that's a question I had. Is that his actual face, or is that like a, a some kind of helmet or mask or i I was not 100 percent clear on on what the situation was with his face 
I've always assumed that that was what he was supposed to really look like. Okay, maybe, I mean, that... I don't know if I'm right, but that's what I always thought, so... Well, Adam, what did you think? Uh, you know, I can put no thought into this. Uh, like... (laughs) I'll allow you two to debate it. Okay, I mean, I don't have a strong opinion on the matter either way. I was just wondering, is that what a guy's face looked like, or is... Is that supposed to be a mat? And I couldn't really decide. I was I was sort of I, I, going back and forth. I, the reason that I do think that that's supposed to be his face is because when we see Sutek with the full-on helmet, which is half Egyptian and then half Sutek with the green eyes, it has the big, like, ears that stick up mm. with the kind of, like, black and gold, you know, Egyptian-style death mask look. So I assume that underneath that is what kind of the alien Sutek looks like. So. Okay, okay. Yeah. And and also I mean, like, he... Wa- oh, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you know, Sutek has that kind of like red and black mask that we see later where the eyes are the eyes of Horus and they mm. glow green. And that's in the style of that face, creature face that we see. Mm. So I do think that the, the face is the actual creature and that, you know, Sutek's mask as we see in the final episode is is the death mask he wears over that so okay what did you what did you think of the interactions with the doctor and sutek there was a whole period where he was sort of uh, he was sort of in sutek's chamber uh where he's imprisoned and they had an extended conversation but and and i think sutek even like tortures the doctor a little bit during that and i I think i think tom baker is at some of his best there right so you know, where, where he's trying to outsmart Sutek and he's trying to, like, confront him, you know, trying to buy time so that Sarah Jane can do something, who I might add is an amazing shot. So Sarah Jane Smith, <laughs> you know, like, not just a reporter, but, you know, she knows how to fire a rifle. The, the, but, yeah, the novelization of this episode, too, like on the cover, Sarah Jane with her rifle taking the shot. That's like part of the book cover. But uh. <laughs> I liked how they worked in her outfit into the storyline, too, how she was like she found that outfit in the back of the TARDIS somewhere. And then that's when they arrived where they arrived. And so she just happened to be in a, a basically period appropriate <laughs> outfit. Um, and the but, doctor even says that that was a dress. I believe he says that belonged to Victoria, yeah. one of his previous companions. So yeah, and uh, and yeah, so it was. Uh, I thought that was uh, pretty, um, uh, you know, I don't know, just kind of a nice little touch. But uh, but the, my favorite part of the episode actually was um, when he transports her to the future because she's like, "Well, let's just get out of here," and he's like, "Okay," and he j- takes them to the future, and uh, and he and he opens the door and it's just all, everything's just all destroyed. And, uh, and so, it, you know, it sort of, it sort of makes clear why they have to actually deal with the problem and not just go away. Um, so, you know, which I also, think that, I think that, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think that's something they need to do with a new series, because I think that really makes a point about, I know we're not supposed to get involved, but if we don't get involved, there are legitimate and serious earth shattering, literally consequences if we, if we don't solve this. And I think in, in the current series, I don't think you have the same effect as when you watch that scene in the story going, yeah, you know, well, and, I, I think mean, the they show- did do that in one of the new episodes. Actually, there was a, uh, one of the, one of the, the 12th doctor episodes, 
the the one it was it was an, it was the one where there were the people hunting looking for ghosts in the uh, in the house. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but uh, well, you guys go on. I'll come back to it. Okay, but <laughs> but no, but I, I remember going back and watching some of the first Doctor episodes, and one of the things I noticed right away was how he was like, "Don't change history. Like, do not. You know, you cannot. Yeah, you know, you cannot interfere." And and so it's interesting that in this era, it's I mean, that that scene is basically saying, you know, no, you must interfere because by being I think the assumption is by being here, we're part of the timeline, actually. And so if we extract ourselves from it, then then we might prevent the the outcome that we all know uh, from happening. So um so I don't know. So it's, it's, it's an, it, and I don't know. I guess I guess the the show today seems like it almost kind of walks both sides of the fence at times, depending on I don't know what they're thinking at the time. Um, but uh, but yeah, I can't. you you were talking about your favorite uh, scene in the in the show. I have a favorite scene in this show that I think gets overlooked a lot, and that is it's the scene when the 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 huntsman guy or the groundskeeper shoots Marcus Scarman and the smoke goes back inside his body and then yeah. he like walks to the window and I, when I was re-watching this episode I remembered that scene and I'm like oh that's a great scene and it's actually kind of a long scene and once you realize it's a long scene when you go back and watch it that meant that the actor had to walk backwards across the room turn around they would set off the smoke thing, so he had to act that whole like one minute scene backwards. I, I like, did think about that watching that scene. I thought, oh man, <laughs> right? Like you know, it's it's an old trick, you know. And then you run it in reverse, and it looks like you know the bullet goes back inside you in the smoke. But in that scene, he like walks across the whole room. So I'm like, he had to have walked across the whole room, and it doesn't look wrong, you know. Like sometimes you can tell if somebody's looking back, walking backwards but he does a great job you know fortunately he's possessed right so he can walk a little stilted but he does a great job in that scene so that guy looks so like peter cushing in uh <laughs> which i think yeah. is probably another reason why i was thinking hammer um you know is he just, he just I, like i looked him up because like is that like it doesn't look exactly like peter cushing but i think maybe maybe like i don't know it, this year in time peter cushing looked that way because I don't really remember what he was in in, in this year. So, uh, you know, was, uh, he was getting older by this point. So I, uh -huh. I looked it up and it, it definitely wasn't him. Um, but, Ironically, he was filming Star Wars on this. Yeah. Was, yeah. So. <laughs> but I mean, he was really old. But, you know, like I, like my Peter Cushing is like the Peter Cushing from the Hammer era. And, you know, uh -huh. by the time he's in Star Wars, he's already quite, quite, you yeah. know, on in years. Older. Um, yeah. And uh, and so I feel like, you know, I don't know. I just. And and again, I think what this was made in '75, right? So it was made around that the time they were filming, like you said. But for some reason, at the time, I kept thinking this was made in 1980 when I was watching it. Um, and I don't know why that I keep making that mistake with this series for some reason. Um, well, I, I just because they keep bringing up the '80s because uh, Sarah Jane's from the '80s. They, I think that's that what's must be it. I don't, I don't know. And yeah, also, they, I was. They, they, okay. They fly, they fly to 1980 to see what the world is like because Sarah Jane says, you know, the world is fine in my time. Yeah. And this is ironically the story with the whole unit dating controversy comes up with because it's the only time, you know, everybody, unit was meant to be in the near future. And it was, and so a lot of people like, 
presumed it was contemporary. So this is the one story that throws in which dating is actually brought up in terms of like Sarah Jane and the unit experience. So yeah, it throws people off. So yeah. And I mean, and also I was born in 76. So my, you know, I don't have that anchor of, uh, (laughs) of, of memory from that period to really go by. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I just found myself, uh, constantly thinking that these episodes were 1980. Um, but yeah, so I don't know any any other thoughts on this episode. Any any points that we haven't gotten into? I, I think well, if it's okay, I'll just say I think this is one of those stories that if somebody wants to watch Doctor Who for the first time, I think this is a great entry story mm-hmm. into Doctor yeah. Who for people. Um, yeah. You know, it's a little futuristic. It's a little retro. It's a little contemporary. So there's a lot of what Doctor Who is all in one package here. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It really is. I mean, and it's, it's you know, it's it's just got good mood. It's it's kind of scary in parts. It's it's funny. I uh, I really like the scene with the doctor where they have to drag the doctor into the priest hole to hide him, and he wakes up, and they're like, "Oh, we're hiding in a priest hole," and he's just like, "What? A priest hole in a Victorian Gothic folly?" And I mean, it's just it's it's a weirdly specific architectural joke to make, like in this situation that it always cracks me the up. Priest hole was a nice. I thought that was a very nice. You know, detail though that. Yeah, I know. It's like, how can there be a priest hole in like this nineteenth-century house? You know, it's just uh, <laughs> it's like such a ridiculous kind of joke to throw in there out of nowhere. But yeah, I uh, no, I thought it's 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 just a good, just a really well-written episode all around. One of my one of my favorite points of body humor in Doctor Who is in this as well, and that's the scene where. As the doctor and Sarah Jane catch up to the robots inside the pyramid on Mars in the final episode, they literally both walk in together, see what's going on, turn around together without mentioning <laughs> and walk out of the room like, you know, very, very slapstick, but it just absolutely works at that moment without being awkward, you know? Yeah. So very Doctor Who, like you have this like Monty Python-esque moment in the middle of the story, you know, so... Yeah, that's another good one. Yeah, I just it's just a really well rounded episode. They even got a pipe organ in at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> that's know. right. That's yeah. right. Yes. But uh, but yeah, no, I thought I thought it was good, and it, it did. Like you know, when I was a kid, I do remember these being on PBS, like after other shows were on. I you know, it was too young to really absorb them. But every once in a while, when we're watching these. I'll watch an episode that really reminds me of being a kid in front of the TV and catching some of the, some of these shows and just sort of the scary mood that was, was, was present. And so this one, this one, I was getting that sort of deja vu where it was like, Oh, I must've been like seven in front of the TV and seen bits of this one. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I thought, I thought this was, was great. And, and again, I, 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 I really, I probably should have gone out and watched curse of the mummy uh after after i died i was too busy but uh but it definitely reminded me of hammer stuff um and uh and yeah i i i agree with nick i think it's um i think this would be a good introduction to to the show and especially to the classic series i think it would be a good starting point yeah i i looked it up it was curse of the mummy's tomb it was the 1964 kind of like hammer film so 
Who starred in that one? Does it? Um, it was Terrence Morgan. Terrence Morgan, I think, was the main person. Ronald Howard was in it. So that's uh, the one that I kind of think of for the Hammer movies. But there was also a Hammer, just the Mummy as well. So I think I'm thinking of the Mummy actually. Um, uh, but I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd have to look it up. Um, but I think that I think because uh, the the Curse of the Mummy I think is much earlier than I was thinking of one that I think came out in the, later in the '60s or maybe even early '70s. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah. So um, I don't know. Does anybody have any any additional thoughts on this? You know, I was just gonna say that considering. Uh, you know, that we kind of got the Loch Ness Monster. We got mummies in this one. I think we're going to see some more classic monsters coming up in our next few shows, too. So. I think you okay. might be right. Oh, and, 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 uh, and, and, and uh, just uh, apparently uh, I have a real serious dating issue because the mummy I was thinking of is 1959, so it's not later. Um, okay. It's much earlier. Um, and it was the one starring Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. Um, oh, but... Uh, but yeah, I, I probably need to review my Hammer catalog or hand in my Hammer uh, geek card. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, well, I but... think that's what's so great about podcasts like this. You know, we have an opportunity to talk about, you know, not just the Doctor Who episode that we're doing right now, but like lots of great stuff that you can watch as well. You know, like this makes me want to go back and listen to and watch some of those Hammers yeah. again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, horror movies because those are great I, films. I recommend people also check. No, out. they 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 really are. In fact, it's been ages since I really sat down and watched them seriously. Like when I was in high school, I was a huge Hammer film fan, and uh, I wouldn't. I think that would be a good thing to maybe you know for the podcast consider consider viewing. I know we have a lot. We have a real long backlog, so <laughs> you know, uh, it's probably not terribly likely that we'll get to it. But I. I, I think Hammer should be on the list for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's Hammer time. Yeah, yep. Hammer time. Yeah, that will be the name. Well, I don't know. We might that might get us a copyright infringement thing. If we, you know, we don't need MC Hammer suing our podcast for. You could uh, use the money. So yeah, yeah. But it's probably trademark just... Hammer time, right? Yeah. It's... <laughs> so. Um, but yeah, so we'll be back on, we're going to come to, uh, come back on all together for the Christmas special. Uh, so we'll try to come on. I think we're shooting for the day after the day after that. And, um, and, uh, and me and Adam are going to be back on soon with a Babylon five, uh, podcast discussion. And, and I'm going to be out with my legend of Condor heroes review, which I'm really looking forward to doing. So, uh, until then we will talk to you later.